Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness to our lives. Damien, Brett, we got a special guest on our show today. I'm pretty excited about this because uh, I haven't heard too much about this before. So uh, let's... Uh, Damien, let's introduce this gentleman. Yeah, let's let's have a, a, a good chat. This will be great today, boys. Um, obviously, everyone's talking about the benefits of curcumin, and uh, you know it's it's big. Everyone's talking about it, but you know often we don't get a chance to listen to the researchers. Well, today we've been lucky enough to get Andrew Scully uh, to join us on the Wellness Guys. And for those of you who haven't heard of Andrew before, um, or haven't you're not too familiar with what he's doing, um, he's doing some great things, and he's based here in Melbourne. Um, you know, where all great things happen, of course, including great coffee. Um, he works out at uh, Swinburne University. He's the director of the Centre for Human Psychopharmacology, big word, and he's the leading international researcher into neurocogn- uh, neurocognitive, I just had a Lawrence Tam uh, moment then, effects of lateral product supplements and food components, having published over 170 peer-reviewed journals and 18 book chapters and two books. He's prolific, a prolific author and doing amazing things. And I'd just like to welcome you to the show, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thank you and hello. You can tell why I didn't do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been classic. That would have been classic. Andrew, um, you're doing some amazing work and obviously working with um, NICM and, uh, and and looking at, at ways in which um, nutrients and supplements and, um, and, and herbs can interact with uh, brain and, and uh, neurocognitive behavior. What, what are you learning at the moment? What are you noticing at the moment? What's big at the moment in your field? Um, I think it's a, it's a really exciting time for our field, actually. Um, there are a number of things that have, have led to this. One is that um, the pharmaceutical approach to brain function, and particularly to cognitive enhancement and, um, and uh, preventing cognitive decline with ageing, ha- has really not worked. Um, it's it's very hard to think of a drug that you would take to try and prevent cognitive decline, um, particularly during normal aging. And this has led to the search for um, natural products which may improve cognitive function. And it, it turns out that many um, many treatments that have been used traditionally or, or even ones that have been discovered fairly recently, seem to have the complement of properties, which means that they can improve brain function and, and um, also cognitive function linked in with that. 
And so obviously we're talking about uh, you know stuff we can do, supplementation, stuff we can add in there. So can you tell us exactly what is curcumin? Yeah, so curcumin is, is one of several um, types of botanicals that we've looked at, but it's a, a polyphenol um, and it's found in turmeric, which is a, um, a spice that's used in curries, actually. Um, it's the spice that tends to give curries their bright yellow colour. Um, and there's was been quite a lot of evidence suggesting that people who eat more curry, um, it might be counterintuitive, but people who eat more curry um, have a number of health benefits. And one of these seems to be that they are a little bit less likely to get and dementia. Now, I think... You know, word of caution, of course, we're not talking about just um, binary effects here. So eat curry, you won't get dementia. But <laughs> there is a, certainly a, a pattern that suggests that, that those people who, um, who eat more curry are a little bit protected against cognitive decline in dementia. Um, and, uh, and of course, the other word of caution is that there could be other third factors that, that, that affect both, both things. Um, but these studies have pointed to specifically um, the levels of turmeric, of turmeric in curries and also uh, further uh, to this component of turmeric called curcumin, which makes up about 2% of, of, um, of turmeric. And it's actually, this is, this is being researched quite seriously. So there are several decades of research into the um, biological effects of curcumin, uh, both human and animal studies. Um, and uh, this led us to a study in humans, which was the first human trial in healthy adults to look at the brain benefits um, of curcumin. So it is just specifically to that one component of the curcumin in turmeric and not the combination of all the, everything in the components of turmeric that makes this effect? Um, that's a great question. And the, the answer, the, the, the sort of straight answer is we don't know. Um, okay. There are other goodies within, within turmeric, um, other curcuminoids as they're called, but um, we think it probably is curcumin. Uh, and that's not always the case with some of these botanical extracts. So uh, I've done a bit of work on, on sage. And with sage, it seems as if you really do need the various components to act um, in concert and give this kind of additive or even synergistic effect, something where the, the whole seems to be more than the sum of the parts. But in the case of turmeric, it does seem to be specifically um, curcumin. That's fascinating. I love that. It's almost like uh, from a natural product, like, similar to, I suppose, willow bark um, and, and looking at um, the pain relieving effects of willow bark and blood thinning effects, you know, obviously that's yeah. what the, um, the Nicholas family did many years ago with aspirin. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Interestingly, um, there's lots of chat about turmeric. Um, you can do a Google search for turmeric on the web, you know, on the interweb and, you know, be on the line, search Dr. Google and all those sorts of things. Um, mm. But... 
many, many years ago, uh, it, there was companies around talking about the use of turmeric as an anti-inflammatory, but they used to talk about um, specific types of turmeric. So BCM95, for example, was one of them. Is that mm-hmm. still the case? Are we talking about having to use a specific type of turmeric or is it a specific type of extract or what's the story mm-hmm. there? Yeah, we are. I mean, interestingly, the level of curcumin, which we found was effective, um, is, is about 80 milligrams. So um, 80 thousandths of a gram, right. which you could actually get from, you know, about half a tablespoon of powdered turmeric. Oh, nice. But the, the downside is that actually if you just eat turmeric and, and in fact most curcumin preparations, um, you find that the curcumin has low bioavailability. That is, a lot of it gets destroyed um, in, in, the, in the stomach or in the, in the gut so um, there are specific curcumins out there on the market which are purported to have much higher bioavailability. Um, the, the extract that we used was um, by a company called, uh, it's called Long Vida. So the extract we used is called um, Long Vida. And I, I mean, I have to make it absolutely clear that the company who, who manufacture Long Vida sponsored the trial, so that's you know I need to put that out there. Um, but certainly the reason we used it is because it has high bioavailability, so it is treated in a way that it uh, it gets into the body um, with something like possibly even fifty times more availability than um, than sort of what we call native curcumin, which you just extract from from turmeric. Uh, and we also know from animal studies that this specific extract crosses the blood-brain barrier and gets into the brain. So those are both important um, elements of this. And one of the reasons that um, we were excited about this is, as you say, there is some evidence that, that curcumin has anti-inflammatory properties. And we know that a lot of the changes in mental function, the, the deterioration of things like memory, which occur with aging seem to be very closely related to what's sometimes referred to as low-level chronic inflammation. So this, this inflammation that we see systemically in the whole body, including the brain, that, um, that can occur with, with aging. What I want to say is um, I just want to congratulate you on your integrity for declaring who funded the study. You know, it's not often you hear people say that kind of stuff when yeah, they're well talking done. about their research. So uh, we need more of that. And I think it's great to hear it. And it doesn't change the fact that the research was done and it's great research and providing great information. But it's just, you know, it's about uh, informed information, I think, you know, letting everyone know the full facts. So just as an aside, thank you for that. Um, uh, as a that's question, fine. I, I, I think it's really important to be transparent about these things. Uh, yeah, you know, we, it's great. We're, it's we're great. independent researchers, but a lot of our funding comes from industry. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So well done. Um, the question I've got for you is around pepper and turmeric, because I've, I've read and I've heard a number of people talk about using pepper with turmeric to try and increase the bioavailability. I've heard a number mm-hmm. of people talk about it who've declared significant numbers in, in their claim of how much it improved the bioavailability. Bio um, and I'm just wondering whether there's any sort of research around that that you've seen. Um, I, I've heard of that. I've seen a little bit of research. And the reason is that um, some of the transporters which are involved in sort of flushing um, things like turmeric and other polyphenols 
out of the um, the gut can be inhibited to some some degree by peppering in pepper. Um, a lot of this is at the theoretical level, actually. So um, you know, we we know this from the from modeling these these pumps that exist um, uh, in the gut. But um, I think, I mean, I have seen some evidence, for example, looking at a combination of piperine from pepper and resveratrol, which seems to show higher bioavailability. So th there's something in that. Um, but um, I I'm not sure of the details with, with curcumin particularly. Um, Andrew, uh, just a couple of things, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, brain aging and, um, you know, Brett and I are really concerned because, you know, as Damien gets older, we're really noticing, <laughs> well, well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this the decline of cognitive ability. So it's just in a general thing, like what is causing, you know, society's cognitive abilities as we age, you know, what's declining, you know, what's happening to our biological bodies, uh, you know, so that people can understanding of, you know, what's happening biologically and then also... Okay. What, you know, and then the effects of how we can actually improve that. Okay, so, um, you know, perhaps I could talk about what happens to the brain and then maybe um, bring it back to the, the actual trial that we did on curcumin, which I think is a very nice um, illustration of, of how, how it seems to target some of those specific processes. So the first thing to say is that um, as we get older, um, there is a, a decline in, in mental function. Um, it's certainly not inevitable. So some people um, go through what we call successful aging. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, there, there, there are extremes. So one extreme is people who, who get dementia, um, like Alzheimer's disease and other, other dementias. And then there are people who seem to maintain cognitive function at a, at a pretty high level. Um, but in general, we see a decline in certain cognitive abilities or mental skills. Um, not everything, but they, it tends to be um, things like the speed of processing. So our ability to um, react as quickly as we did. And that isn't just to do with sort of being able to slam on the brakes when uh, we need to in the car. It's also um, about how quickly we, we process information. Um, and also working memory, which is um, when we hold information online. So, um, you know, a good example is if, if somebody gives you their phone number and you don't have time to write it down, um, you don't have a piece of paper to write it down and you really want that phone number. So you're, you rehearse it over and over again uh, or, or a new PIN number, for example, that's probably a, a, a more widely used example these days. So. You know, you get your credit card, you get the pen, and you know you're going to need it. So you rehearse it over and over again. You're using your working memory. And then when you um, recall that information later, you're using what we call secondary memory. So that first kind of rehearsal of information that you're holding in consciousness is working memory. And that, that declines with aging as well. Whereas things like knowledge and vocabulary um, seem to be pretty intact. As we get as we get older, so um, it doesn't affect everything. But but working memory and this speed of um, information processing can have fairly um, important day-to-day -day ramifications. So one 
one element of working memory is or something very closely related to working memory is called prospective memory, which is remembering to do things. So this would be um, walking into a room and then thinking, what, you know, what did I come in here for? Or picking up the phone and thinking, uh, who was I going to dial? Does Chimric, can Chimric help me with that? Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> what do I need to take? What, yeah. yeah. What we what <laughs> we much. find is that uh, you know the, these what we're looking for are interventions which specifically improve these um, these aspects of memory which decline with aging, and the underlying mechanisms are, are very complex. So we know that um, the brain, as I talked about earlier, you know, we, we get this low level inflammation. So, so there's some evidence that the right kind of anti-inflammatory interventions might work. Um, the way in which neurotransmitters work is compromised to some degree. Um, there's a high level of oxidative stress in the brain. The brain is very metabolically active. It's, it's, um, it uses a lot of energy. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's a greedy organ, it's sometimes said, because... It accounts for about 2% of your body weight, but it's constantly using um, at least 20% of your energy. And um, these kind of very metabolic processes are um, come at a cost. So it means that the that neural tissue is more prone to damage by um, things called free radicals, which are produced during high metabolic activity. Um, in the brain. So, so um, those are part of the underlying features. We also get, um, because the brain is, is so active, we also, it, it also requires um, a large and in, intricate vasculature, which means it has many, many, many small blood vessels which, um, which, which innovate the brain so that um, most 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 neurons are very close to most brain cells neurons are very close to a blood vessel because they need a constant delivery of, of glucose through the blood um, and as we get older these small blood vessels lose their effectiveness they lose their elasticity um, and it, it even start to get damaged physically so all of these processes contribute to um, to, to cognitive aging and so obviously um, walking into a room and forgetting the reason why you walked into the room or picking up a pen and forgetting who you're going to write a letter to or those sorts of things are very obvious signs of cognitive decline. Are there mm. other things that people can look out for that could indicate that they've got you know, early stages of cognitive decline and should, is it too late to start taking turmeric once they realise they've got cognitive decline? Okay, well, I think, um, you know, that's that, 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 an open question for most of the um, work research in this field at the moment is pointing to the possibility that cognitive decline actually occurs reasonably early in life, that it starts reasonably early in life. So, um, so we think that cognitive decline might start in midlife, but only becomes manifest later in life in the 60s or 70s. So certainly in, in midlife, there are interventions which people can, can um, take up in order to make sure they have the best chance of, of aging cognitively 
and successfully. Um, the yeah, it's probably no surprise that if you eat a healthy diet, rich in, um, in green leafy veg, and if you exercise regularly, then um, you're more likely to age successfully, cognitively, as well as physically. Um, exercise is actually probably the best known way of enhancing brain function, um, as well as eating a, a healthy diet. So um, with curcumin, I mean, we, we, um, we know that it, from our own work, which is at a very early stage, so this is, we're just talking about one study in healthy adults, we know that it improves um, working memory, it improves um, attentional processes, so being able to concentrate and stay on task, and um, most strikingly of all, it seems to reduce fatigue. So this is very important when you talk to older people about the kind of things that they worry about with their general well-being. Most people say, I just wish I didn't get more, I wish I didn't get so tired. And um, so this was a, a really interesting um, effect of, of curcumin. And um, then... And the, go on, sorry. Sorry, Andrew, I was just going to follow up from there. You know, you mentioned before about interventions and you're talking about exercise, obviously. You're talking about uh, food and, and sort of the chemical side of things. And I guess, you know, the other thing people will start thinking about when they think about this sort of stuff is, you know, using your brain, you know, whether it's uh, brain training, whether it's reading or doing Sudoku or, you know, whatever people try and do to maintain their brain health. So, you know, I guess the question is, if you had to, I mean, there's probably no definitive answer on this, but if you had to guess and try and say, you know, how much of this prevention and brain health is related to the exercise component versus the chemical component versus the brain training, for want of a better word, component, you know, how important are each of those areas? Um, look, I think they're all important and it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to rank them because they're very difficult things to, to quantify, actually. Um, Certainly, there do seem to be additive effects. So um, a good diet, we know that switching people to, say, a Mediterranean diet plus giving them exercise seems to improve cognitive function over and above either of them alone. Um, the, the brain training is um, a little bit more controversial, only really in, in terms of whether um, brain training generalizes to other aspects of cognition. So the idea is, um, you know, that one argument is if you only train your working memory, only your working memory will improve. I mean, to me, that's a bit of a so what objection because, um, you know, if, if, if somebody told me that I could improve my working memory just by working it a bit harder, I, I'd do that. <laughs> so, um, but, but, but anyway, yeah. So it's, it's hard to it's hard to really rank them. Um, Andrew, so a couple. Of, I mean, obviously, our listeners have a lot of kids, or they have um, grandkids. You know, does this any effect on things of you know ensuring that our kids do, or you know, consider eating or you know adding to their diet to ensure that this you know brain decline is reduced? Is there has, it, has there any been any research? And it's probably harder to research on kids, but I just want to know yeah. if your opinion on that. Yeah. Uh, um... Uh, there is there's a little bit of, of work out there. Um, one thing which is probably you know unsurprising is that um, 
there's a lot of work showing that one of the worst things that a kid can do is skip breakfast. So um, a, a breakfast is in people who kids who skip breakfast um, show a kind of decline in attention over the morning greater than people who've had a breakfast. And um, a breakfast with a low GI seems to be better than one with a high GI. So uh, we did a trial many years ago where we compared um, all brand. It was in the UK. I don't know if you get all brand in Australia. It's, um, it's just like, a, it's just brand. <laughs> and it's not particularly appetizing. Um, compared that <laughs> right. with a, a higher GI breakfast. And we found that the, the brand kind of protected against this decline in attention over the morning um, much better. And the other is, is um, hydration. So again, a really surprisingly under-researched under area in terms of cognition, but a couple of very nice studies out of the UK have shown that um, kids who were given a, a drink of water showed less, um, or showed more time on tasks, so they, they were less distractible than kids who didn't. Um, and then and then there's also a little bit of work showing that multivitamin supplementation seems to improve some aspects of cognition in children aged between 8 and, and 12, I think studies have been done. Um, uh, you know, th those vitamin studies you know, seem pretty clear, but there's only maybe two or three of them, so they need to be replicated. Yeah, that's pretty um, pretty lean, isn't it? That it'd be nice to see some more studies done into that. Um, just a quick question, Andrew. Um, people often have to take supplements for, you know, three, four, five, six, eight weeks. You know, for example, mm -hmm. with um, with um, St John's Wort, for example, mm -hmm. um, it, they say it takes eight weeks for it to mm -hmm. you know really kick in. Um, it seems yep. from your research, we're talking within an hour, we're getting this. Yeah so, there are, yeah, so there are two elements of this, um, and, and, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and for example, if you look at um, fish oil supplementation, it probably takes six months for the, for, um, certainly for the, uh, for the DHA to, to um, level out, to, to kind of max, max out. Um, so with our study, yes, we, we, we did, it had two, there were two parts of it. One was looking at acute effects. So these are the effects which occur within an hour or so of taking the first dose. So um, a bit like you know, taking a coffee in the morning, you know, you, you expect the effects to occur within the half hour or hour after you have a coffee. Um, and there we found these improvements in attention and working memory which occurred, um, as you said, within an hour. Um, and then the other as aspects we looked at were the so-called chronic effects. So these were after 28 days supplementation. So I should emphasize this was a placebo-controlled double-blind trial. So we didn't know what people were getting. And, Gold and standard. The, the, yeah, the subjects didn't. So, um, so tw after 28 days of taking either placebo or curcumin, they were tested again on a battery of cognitive tests and mood. And that's when we got the very dramatic reduction in fatigue. Um, and then the other thing that happened at four weeks, 28 days, was that um, 
So the average age of the participants in this study was uh, 68 or 69. So they, they weren't spring chickens, but they were healthy. They were in pretty good shape. But with that population, when you sit them down in front of a battery of cognitive tests, they find the tests themselves um, stressful. So you, you, if you measure their mood before and afterwards, they get more stressed, less contented, they get more, more anxious. Um, and we found that in the curcumin group, this effect was significantly reduced. It was kind of making them more resilient against the, the stress of undergoing the test battery, which was another um, you know, re really interesting finding for us. Um, in terms of what the mechanisms are, we're not sure, but I, I think probably that the acute effects following a single dose are to do with um, the known increase in blood flow that occurs with curcumin. Um, the, the later dose, the effects after 28 days, we think are more likely to be due to um, reduction in in inflammatory processes and, and oxidation, as well as some blood flow effects. And uh, actually, we were we just found out um, this week actually that we have funding for a, a second study to look at this. Andrew, a um, couple of things I would just love to. I mean, that has been a fascinating interview and just been great to dive in deep into it. Um, just a couple of things. Then, is where where can people find more information about it, or anybody who could you know um, want to you know focus on this type of research? Where where would they find more information to find more? Okay. Uh, um, well, I, I'm always happy to um, correspond with people. Um, probably the best is my my email address. Uh, which you can find on the Swinburne University website, or you can just Google me. Um, my name's it's Andrew Scholey, that's S-C-H-O-L-E-Y. Um, and uh, I should also say a couple of things, which I, I you know, the first is that um, a lot of the work I've talked about on curcumin was actually undertaken by a very bright PhD student of mine, Kate Cox. Um, and also we are looking to recruit individuals for this study and other studies so um, we're looking for people of all ages who are cognitively intact who feel that they don't have any any issues with their cognition and also um, for people out who there, maybe feel like they've got memory problems yeah, yeah the demos out then so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah oh dear <laughs> Oh, guys, well, listen, what we'll do is uh, we'll put your email address onto our show notes. Uh, so if people are really interested in getting into the study, I mean, obviously, um, if you want to be part of the, the part of the study, please go to uh, thewellnesscouch.com, go to uh, The Wellness Guys, and uh, go to this particular episode and uh, send uh, Dr. Andrew a, um, um, an email. So, guys, uh, make sure you check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thewellnessguys and the wellness couch. Make sure you go to thewellnesscouch.com, obviously, and share this podcast with your friends and families on the strange and you think need a wellness update. Um, and you can also find uh, Andrew Scully, too, at the Blackmore's Institute Symposium uh, that he's going to be presenting there. So uh, we'll leave this uh, website link onto our show notes as well. So also, one last thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. And uh, for Damien, course the five-star rating until next week begin creating wellness into our lives let's lead by lead, lead by example and let's change the world's health together oh no my common decline is happening already so join us next week on the wellness guy show 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.